Hello and welcome back to Football Genthron, the only English language podcast dedicated to Armenian football. It has been a long time, friends. I am your host, Adam, and I am joined here by the usual suspects, Anman and Chadens. How are you boys doing? Good. Good. Uh, missing, missing everyone. Missing you guys, especially. I know everyone missed me and uh, <laughs> missing the audience, too. We love you and you love me. As always, we have a packed episode and a very special episode uh, where we will be covering uh, everything in Armenian football this time because we have been out for a little while. And we are also going to be joined by uh, some Irish uh, national team accounts. Uh, Well, one is a general Irish football account. The other one is a Nations League Irish specific account um, for a little Q&A session on our friendly rivals from the UEFA Nations League. That will be at the tail end of the episode. But first, let us start with the Armenian Premier League. Uh, we are at the tail end of the season of the Armenian Premier League, where Adana Armenia had dominated uh, a majority of the league and then suddenly can't do anything right. And Punic have been in superb form and are now currently First in the table. Gentlemen, Punic Adara Armenia. It has been a crazy, crazy, crazy roller coaster, and it's coming down to the last game of the season. Punic take on Alashkert next Sunday, and if Punic win, they're champions. Uh, if Punic don't win, Adara Armenia have two chances. Uh, they have a game against Urardu that they have to get three points. And then a Adara Derby match to end off the season uh, where they could potentially clinch the title if Punic fail. Um, both of these sides have shown cold feet when it's time to have that killer instinct to win. Uh, what do you guys think is going to happen, Armin? Who's going to win the league? I have no idea by now. And, and, and uh, that's the beautiful thing about uh, the APL. Uh, it's so weird that it can, like anything can happen. And, uh, it's going to be interesting because I attribute, uh, FCAA's dip informed, uh, <laughs> it's going to sound a little ethnocentrist, but I attribute it, uh, to not playing as many Armenians as they used to when they started dominating the league, they started benching, like the, their coach, Dmitry Gunko, started benching uh, their captain, Armin Abatumian. And, and of course, when you bench an Armin, you know what's going to happen. You, you're going to start losing. And Lol. Uh, seriously, though, I mean, you don't bench your captain. Uh, that's, that's stupid to me. And now he's playing again, he's starting again, and they, they're back and winning ways. Is it going to be too late, though? I don't know. Now, Chadens, the winner of this match, or the winner of the league, gets the only Champions League spot that Armenia has. In your eyes, who do you think has the better chance of making it to a European group stage? Because, as we've talked about before, uh, if you start in the Champions League first round, you have a much better chance of getting to a European group stage because you drop down in competitions. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. So who yeah. who who do you think has that better chance right now? From what you from what you're from what you're gathering, what is it Punic or Adara Armenia? Tough question. Uh, my mind set on Adara Armenia. 
uh, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't they the last ones to be in Europe? Uh, I mean, before before Punic, weren't they? Uh, yeah, they they were the ones that got the closest twice. They lost in the playoffs two years straight. Uh, and then with our, a one nil score, I think, right? Yeah. yeah. And then our best friends Al Ashkert made it to um, <laughs> the group stages of the Conference League. Um, but I I think I see what you mean because in the first half of the season, Ottawa were like playing, they were playing like sick football. Like there's no other yeah, way. Yeah, great it. football. They have that that that's a yeah that's one of the key uh, components in qualifying. Yeah. It, I don't know. It's an open good. debate. I don't know uh, what you guys think. It's an it's an open debate because. Europe is a different uh, it's a different material animal it needs, yeah. yeah it's a different Ar- animal. Armenia has that different uh, different yeah but they haven't been using it they haven't been using Karim Muradian for defense uh, well it's up to them then that's that's yeah. the thing it's up it, to it, them then uh, another thing we pointed out thing. ever since Derderian got dropped from right back and all came back I was going to get to that they've been awful I was going to get to that. They, they lost uh, their their muscle, which is their Derian. They lost their defensive heart, which is Karim Muradian. Not, not lost. They started to bench them. They yeah. started to bench Karim Muradian, which is the defensive heart. And I'm all about defense. And Karim Muradian is very important, not just for them, but for the national team as well. Uh, he's been dropped for the, from the national team, too, for some unknown reason we're going to get la- into later on. Uh, they started the bench. I mean, Abartumin, as I said, which is uh, the player that put not just the captain of the team, he pulls the strings for the whole offensive play, game of the team. Uh, and then, and, and, uh, well, they're getting what, as you say, um, do you play stupid games? Win stupid prizes. Absolutely. Exactly. So, mm-hmm. uh, in, so in terms of European spots right now, the loser uh, in terms of not winning the championship is going to take one of the two Conference League spots. The other Conference League spot is currently being occupied by Arara Yerevan on 46 points, who are only one point ahead of Alashkert on 45. And then um, we have a fourth spot. Do we have a fourth spot for you? We do have Isn't a fourth it, uh, spot. So far, yeah. Noravank. Yes, it's Noravank because of something that we will get into right after this. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, uh, I, I went too fast. But that's, that, that's actually a question mark for now. Yeah, and we'll, we're we'll get, get into that, that later. later. Um, but <laughs> now we have, uh, a Punic who needs to win their last match. And that happens to be against Alashkert who need to win that match if they want to be in Europe. So it's going to be a crazy dynamic. And, and I think next weekend, yeah, is they be both need huge. to win. Yeah. They both have it's to a win. top four game, a, a game between two top four plays the teams and they both need to win to, <laughs> for their ambitions everything to play for it's going to be great so a couple a couple games left for most teams except for punic uh the rest of the table is looking a little bit like this you have fc noah in fifth place on 37 urardu in sixth place with 35 points noravank with 23 points in seventh von in eighth with 19 bekma in last place with 15 uh we're yet to know if bekma is actually going to be relegated um i guess the ffa will just provide a little clarity on that when, when we get there um speaking of uh european spots the vbet armenian cup final happened last week where noravank had a shock 2-0 win over urardu uh who are friends that we were really, really hoping would get into European football. But um, 
Nordavank played a very good, solid, utilitarian-style football. They bunkered down. They played physical. They stopped a lot of Urardu's momentum, and they scored two goals on counterattacks, um, and they won the game. Uh, I think it can be said that Urardu were extremely unlucky to not score. I think they hit the post twice. Um, they created so many chances, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. I think... I think what has been Urardu's problem all along, uh, which is goal scoring, uh, or or that final that final ball, whether that's a shot or a pass, um, mm-hmm. I, I came back to came back to bite them. Um, and that's what we were saying a few uh, episodes ago that they're very uh, conceding and scoring. It's very balanced. There there will definitely be an issue there, mm-hmm. and it, it came to that at the actually, end. Actually, yeah. Actually, I would I would argue that. Their their, sco- their their goals haven't been all that bad. Like, like their goal difference is not bad. Their their goal scored isn't bad. Like like their stats are good. Uh, they the thing is they create a lot of chances which they don't capitalize. But still their their goal count is is not bad. Uh, they were just unlucky, as you said. They hit the post twice. To like three at least, I counted three amazing saves by uh, Noravank goalkeeper Henry Avakian, who yes. is a who is a Caparros man. Uh, like I mean, Caparros is going to be very happy about that performance. And yes, expect yes. to see him. Expect to see newly crowned Armenian Cup champion Henry Avakian called up. And, yeah, for and sure. Second or third string goalie for us. Uh, standout performance like props were credit were credits to props to him. Uh, it was, I, I think Noravank was a fair winner, winner, but uh, because of how they played, they played very professional football, but uh, not the better football. Like Urardu played better, they just were unlucky to to not win the cup. Yeah, and Noravank because they have won the cup took the final spot for the UEFA Europa Conference League, which, uh, due to the Russian Federation not being involved in European competition next season, uh, places them in the second round of Conference League qualifiers, while the other two league spots actually place you in the uh, first round. So a little interesting tidbit there. However, there is a caveat, as Noravank are apparently not, um, I I would say, registered for European competition or licensed for European competition with UEFA yet. Um, And if they don't, and if they don't obtain their licensing, uh, it goes to the fourth place spot, actually. Yes, uh, but yes sir. The, the license is pending, so we will keep uh, everyone updated as soon as uh, there's a definite uh, ruling on Noravank. Yeah, and, gonna, and go ahead, Chadens. It's going to get confusing. Yeah, because if that does happen, does that mean fourth place goes into the second round of European qualifying? Or does second place go mm-hmm. to the second round? Because oh. that wouldn't make sense to reward oh. fourth place. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's an interesting I, I, I mean, logically, if Noravank doesn't get the rule in their favor, uh, logically, the second place APL, the APL would go to the better round. That would make more sense, yeah. And and yep. and for us, I mean, not saying anything about Noravank, but I think I I think Adara Armenia would benefit a lot more from going in in, in the second round or Punic, you know, yeah, whichever one it, it is. It would be it would be deserved and it would be logical. I yeah. I guess it will depend on how the ruling goes. 
Yeah. Well, now moving on from our domestic football into the news. Uh, Ottoman, we have been in a emergency room lately. Uh, a lot of players are injured. Uh, lots of things going on. Give us an update on national team captain Vazat Hadoyan. Yeah, I mean, in uh, during a week uh, and times like these that we after turbulent times for the national team, this week is actually um, a welcome change because there's been great news all around, which we're gonna get into later on. But first, the bad news as as life. Everything is always good when you start off with the bad and top it off with the good stuff. Well, we have national team captain Varas Tataroyan recovering from an injury which he sustained during the the national team game against Norway, which we know the the final score. Not going to get into that one. No need. But luckily, he's back in training. Um... It's possible that he's going to miss the first game of the national team because he has not featured once on any team sheet yet since returning to training for Cadiz. Uh, Still a couple of weeks left for him to get into full fitness, maybe get a game or two for Cadiz and the club before joining the national team camp. We are going to be depending on that one, but uh, he's going to... He's going to be called and featured in at least two or three games for us. The problem, however, is not Varas Tataroyan. It's his uh, center-back partner in crime, Andre Chalashir, who is still injured after picking up an injury during national team uh, training before Montenegro on that same window. Talk about bad luck. It's really, really worrisome to me uh, that not uh that we have no news on him um i don't know what you guys think about uh andre uh, but i think it's a very sensible uh loss for us yeah um i think i mean considering we have four games we need we need four center backs that can play um and haroyan just got back into team training which i see he still has over two weeks so that's fine i think i think if he's at least in team training this coming week i think we're i think we're golden he, he'll be more than fit um if he's yeah, he'll not make it logically no yeah i think he will i i don't i don't i don't see him not making it unless he just like you know re-aggravates it no yeah worst case i don't know there's there's literally no news on him Remains to be seen. Uh, I think I, I'm, I'm hopeful to see uh, if, if he's not there for some reason. I would hope we see either Kartashian or Musakhanian, uh, because both definitely deserve to be in the, in, in the squad, I think. Um, Stiopa. Uh, uh, Stiopa, 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 logically, no? Yeah, yeah Sti- I mean... Yeah, we need. I, I agree that we would love to see both Musahanian and Katashian as well. But uh, a welcome guarantee has been Stiopa last last uh, window. But again, but again, we that's need, not a main multiple, problem. We need multiple yeah, center backs. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. We need the, we need like the more the better. Yeah. But uh, center back hasn't all actually been our biggest problem 
in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, defensive midfielder is definitely the biggest problem. Uh, <laughs> but we'll get into that whenever the squad gets released, uh, and we'll discuss that in our next episode. Moving on to our notable players abroad, we've had a lot of players getting consistent game time. Chodens, who's been playing uh, what and where? Yeah, I'm happy to announce with the first one, Sarkis Adamian is a champion in Belgium, Club Bruges. He's not the only Armenian as well in there, but as a player, he's the only one. He he started uh, the game today. No, sorry, uh, yesterday, yesterday as of this recording. Or no, was it today? I'm so confused. Was it? I think it was yesterday. Well, um, we are we are talking only a couple of uh, hours after Sako scored, uh, not the winner, but one of the goals that crowned Rouge, which is huge. I mean, that's, that's well, yeah, we as a lone player as well, he comes and he we don't have that many players getting silverware in top fifteen leagues. Oh, there we go. It was today. What am I on about? Yeah, um, it's huge. It's huge. He he started as well the game. Uh, now, whether he stays or not, we'll see. But logically, very possibly as well, he is uh, staying. So hopefully they'll activate the bio clause with him. The next one, Babayan. We were just talking about him before. He's about to end his contract with, uh, sorry for my pronunciation, Vejle uh, in Denmark. We'll see where he goes. Vele. Well, okay. Uh, he he keeps he keeps moving. Uh, many. Uh, he keeps moving to different clubs. He's gonna end his contract there. Uh, but he's been playing a bit. Uh, yeah. Next one is Barcerian. Barcerian also he's, champion. Also champion. Yeah. He's also. He was. He was announced the first one, right? From all the players. Uh, he got a brace this weekend. Uh, after some red cards and such. Next is Vahan. Vahan Bichakchan at Pogon. Uh, he has not... It's kind of inconsistent with him, not too much. Uh, somewhat playing, somewhat uh, not not playing. Uh, their recent scores, mm. uh, when they played... Uh, was it? It was yesterday. It was nil nil uh, against like yeah Gdansk, and now they're third. Uh, when Vaha moved, they were first, I believe, uh, yeah. first or second. So yeah, he's been starting a game, bench, starting bench, starting bench. Yeah. that's been the pattern. It's a little weird, but yeah, I, I, he's getting minutes. That's the important part. Yeah, yeah. As long as yeah. he's playing, Hampar uh, Sumyan undoubtedly the most consistent player, and as of uh this week he was announced in the team of the season of uh, the Cypriot division as the uh, best right back in Cyprus. Uh, next is Horen Bayramian at Rostov, Russia. Obviously, he's been playing more centrally, sometimes uh, on the left side as well. Uh, well then we've got... Just left side. He's a, he's a wide player. Like, uh, yeah, but, he's, but he's, been playing, he's been playing centrally also lately. Yeah, I've, I've, uh, yeah, real, yeah, yeah, real. I've realized this pattern. They've been playing central, which is kind of when he goes, 
Hey, Yonikos is winning. We're gonna get into that. <laughs> nice timing. That. Nice timing. And next, next up, uh, who do we have? Kama Hovanesian. Oh, at Astana, Kazakhstan. Ugh. One of our favorite countries. Ugh. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I, I, I don't, don't have a problem with Kazakhstan. I, I have mean, a problem with the fact that all of our players just decide to go play there. That's what I have a problem with. Then we've got Avedisian. This one, uh, uh, again, Kazakhstan. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> next, we have Ayrabetian, again, Kazakhstan. <laughs> uh, the, the good one we've got is uh, a future star, uh, Amanovanesian in Moldova. He's been playing, uh, did he score uh, two games ago, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah, he's been he's been scoring here and there, and I think uh, I think Zimbru is not doing so hot uh, on the table, um, but he's showed his quality, and I think I think it's good enough quality for maybe a better team in Moldova to sign him. Hopefully, crossing our fingers, Sheriff, that would be cool, um, but probably not. Uh, <laughs> and then speaking of future stars, uh, Daron Iskanderian actually had an assist last night for Las Vegas Lights FC. Uh, so lots of good. How many players was that Chadens that we just talked about? Like a lot of players. Um, just keep playing good games, and that's good because we have a consistency issue a lot. Um, speaking of consistency, there are some players that are picking up some form. Uh, we're talking, of course, about David Nalbandian, bet you didn't see that one coming, who also plays uh, in Zimbru with uh, Armen Hovanesian. Uh, mm-hmm. And then Armen's uh, BFF uh, favorite person of all time, uh, Vasilios Pogosian, who uh, just uh, had his first start for Lonikos in Greece, who are top of the relegation group, uh, which sets them at about mid-table. Um and then players that are on the bench very much patiently waiting for their turn include our homeboy Felix Verayan, which uh, we're, we're puzzled as to why he hasn't started yet because Beto has been oh, yeah, about awful. Start, yeah. Um, giving giving balls away for goals like three games in a row now. Uh, and then also... Yeah, we, have a little, uh, we have a little bit of inside info from Finnish homies of ours. Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Tell, Apparently... Tell, tell uh, OFK, as they call the team, uh, is like uh, very keen on playing Beto simply because of the name, mm. for the namesake, you know, uh, to, for mar- marketing reasons. Not uh, too surprised. <laughs> yeah, I, and I, I think I, I I am. Uh, I think I think as we had divulged um, in our group chat. Uh, maybe not specifically on the podcast, but the goalkeeping coach is actually Portuguese. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I, but I don't think that's that's the that's it. Uh, could be, but uh, honestly, I think it's I I I I have to trust our Finnish homies because it it does make sense. Yeah. Uh, Crazy, crazy. A lot going on. Lots of players everywhere as we build up to the UEFA Nations League that is kicking off next month. Um, speaking of kicking off, a lot of Armenian players are hopefully going to be kicking off European competition next season. Uh, starting this one off, Chadens, who was the first Armenian to qualify for Europe this season? 
the first one the first one was Gorman Villian he because Nantes won the French Cup so that gives them access to next season's Europa League group stages very big stage because of now of the Conference League Europa League has more value uh, he didn't play in the final uh, he was part of the squad that traveled to Paris um, and since he did play on the round of 16 this is a very piece of silverware for him in his short career so hopefully it's the first of many now we know that realistically he won't uh, feature in the Europa League but having uh, all four of the tournaments uh, which is Ligue 1 uh, the Europa League, the Cup and the League Cup next season. Hopefully it will uh, push the coach to rotate much more. Uh, and this will make room for our young star to hopefully much more minutes to next semester. So it, it will be a boost for his career. Very hoping for this. Very much hoping for this. And Armen, uh, who was the second Armenian? to get European competition. Uh-huh. Of course, our uh, flaming hot champion today, Sarkis Adamian, who, as we mentioned, uh, he scored today in Bruges' final match uh, uh, against uh, Antwerp, I think, of the season, and they clinched the Belgian League title champions which is huge in my opinion and of course they're gonna qualify for UEFA Champions League group stage immediately and automatically we don't know if Sako is renewing his contract uh sorry sorry uh if he's like he's on loan if well that's the problem uh as Aram mentioned to us before the pot uh apparently Bruges coach uh Schroeder is Set to leave the club. Yeah, he's leaving. Ajax. He's leaving for Ajax. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, and Sako apparently also apparently reportedly convinced Bruges' uh, board to buy him out of Hoffenheim and into Bruges permanently. But we don't know if that's going to be the case now that uh, Schroeder is leaving the club. Hopefully, I don't know how. I don't know what I what I. Hope for. Uh, what I'm thinking I, is that he I will stay. Great team. Yeah, he, my, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he might stay because uh, Ajax, Ajax is. I mean, both clubs, both Bruges and Ajax, focus on youth development, bringing on youth players uh, to to always, you know, keep bringing them and playing them. Yeah. They, they're heavily focused on that. But yeah. And, uh, and, and he already knows the his teammates and the club at Bruges. It it's like yeah, there's that too. He's uh, already settled in a way. He's already exactly. he's already found his feet there. He's already found exactly. his feet. And uh, I mean, depends also how they do in the market uh, in, the, in the transfer market as well. Uh, maybe they would like to sell another player like other players. Well, they've got they've got very good players this season. De Caterar, I don't know yeah. how that's how you say his name. Uh, he's he's been insanely good. Uh, Lang has been playing amazing. They have many players uh, who who could be uh, big targets for uh, European powerhouses. So it will open up space for him. 
And here's the thing, though. Sokka, we know, is a player that he thrives in a particular system. And um, Schroeder's system is that is that system. And I I would obviously love... I want to see him in UCL. He deserves it. Um, he really does. And I think if he stays at Bruges, we don't know who the next manager is. And I think the next manager could come in and be like, I'm not using you ever, you know? And then he's shit out of luck. Um even though I don't know why a manager would do that. But alternatively, I mean, if Schroeder is going to Ajax, I'm just taking a look at Ajax's depth chart at center forward, uh, and it's actually not as good as you guys think it is. Um, we have Sebastian Halla, the former uh, West Ham striker, who has been on fire. Um, amazing. But they do play a two-striker system, and their second striker uh, is Brian Bobby, uh, who is actually oh, target. A, who's a lone player from RB oh. Leipzig. And then Danilo Pereira, who is actually uh, contract is expiring and they're not renewing it, so they actually need oh, never mind. another center forward. Okay, this is possible actually. Then so it is. There is it, obviously Schroeder's done it once already. You know he I'm has already pulled pulled Sako. <laughs> he can do it again. Uh, and but you know of course seeing an Armenian play for Ajax again because we have had two two players there before Edgar Manuchard and Aras Osbilis. Um, it would, it be, would be sick. Awesome. It would be sick. I mean, and they're they're in Champions League also. So what? And, and I think that's what he should aim for. You know, I think he deserves to be playing in European competition. He and he deserves to be playing in the Champions League because he helped. He was integral in Bruges' second half of the season to qualify. Yeah, and the one the one uh, season that he played Europe, it was with Hoffenheim, and he did wonderful. He had yeah. some great stats. Yeah, like so. He's there, you know. He's, he's more than good enough. He's got, he has the uh, the stats. He has everything to his name. And uh, continuing this European theme, uh, in terms of direct qualifications, those are the only two players we have. Uh, but in terms of qualifying for European competition, uh, we have several so far. Uh, Hovanes Hambarzuman and Anthorsi qualified for the Conference League. Uh, they will start in round two. Tico and Slovan have qualified for the UEFA Champions League round one. Kisvarda uh, with Abov Avetisian, football against from Future Stars, uh, have also qualified for the Conference League Round 2. Uh, Astana with Kamo have qualified for the Conference League, and so have Pogon with Vahan Bichakchan. Um, that's all we've had so far. I'm anticipating us exactly. getting a few. So far, without mentioning transfers, possible transfers coming up. Yeah, and you know we do expect um, some. Some. So and hopefully they go they play for these teams that are uh, competing in Europe. Um, but speaking of competing in Europe, Henrik Mkhitaryan and Roma will face Feyenoord of the Dutch Eredivisie in the first ever UEFA Europa Conference League final. Uh, Henrik, as you know, is the first Armenian to win a continental title and now has the chance to do it again. Uh, Henrik has been injured, but he is set to be fit for this match. Um, first Armenian citizen, Armin is correcting me. Um, well, you play for the national team, you're Armenian. We're leaving it at that. Uh, that's not a simple, that's not how identity works, but okay. That's not how identity works, but that's how, uh, nationality in football works. So if for, Uh, for all intents and purposes, he is the first Armenian to win a continental trophy. Um, (laughs) Interestingly enough, 
the last time uh, when Henrik won the Europa League with Manchester United, uh, Jose Mourinho was his manager, and he was also teammates with Chris Smalling. Uh, now history is looking to repeat itself with Jose Mourinho at the helm of AS Roma and Chris Smalling playing an important role in uh, Roma's defense. So hopefully Henrik can get fit and win us another title and take pictures of the Armenian flags for us to post all over social media. Moving on to arguably uh, the largest piece of individual news uh, in terms of the Armenian national team in this episode. Onman, I'm going to let you take this one because this is a guy that you have been raving about for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah, I mean, I love him. I love him very much because he's awesome. Uh, But uh, again, he shouldn't be... Should have been the only news we got this year, but it's a good start. After a lot of speculation, months and months of speculation, FC Vélez Moscow MVP and captain of the Russian Capitals team, uh, we're talking about 22-year-old offensive midfielder, and that's the thing, is an offensive midfielder, Shaker, uh, another offensive midfielder, Artur Galoyan. He flew to Armenia to get his citizenship. Of course, he already has it by now. And he has been unveiled as the new Armenian national team reinforcement for the, apparently, for the upcoming uh, big, big National Nations League uh, window coming up uh, one of these weeks. <laughs> and the camp, of course, training. We are really looking forward to that one. The FFA posted a... Um, a short video presenting him, you know, meeting uh, with Cap, uh, Joaquin Caparros, the coach, uh, the coaching staff, and a short interview, actually, which you can find at the FFA social media platform. Uh, of course, Arthur himself gave several interviews separately uh, to both Armenian as well as Russian media hubs. Um, here's some interesting snips, in my opinion, of those interviews, where he says, a couple years ago, a Russian uh, journalist said on TV that my intention was to play for Russia. And I wanted to make clear that I simply didn't pay attention to it because I never, I just never uh, thought about that as anything other than journalistic sensationalism. Never in my mind have I implied that my dream was anything other than to play for Armenia, simply because I am Armenian, period. Uh, I may have been born and raised here. Of course, he's talking about Russia. But my blood is Armenian. My last name is Armenian. And wow, man, this guy is awesome. And my parents are Armenian. My social environment is Armenian. My homeland is Armenia. And my whole identity is Armenian. In case it wasn't clear, by the way, this is me, Armin saying. He wants to make it very clear, apparently. How not to love this kid, man? Uh, 22 years old, by the way, and he's already team captain. And he tops it off saying, there has never been another option in my mind that wasn't the Armenian national team. And now he's made it. That is Arthur. what we like to see, right? That's what we talk about a lot on about... Bro, talk about drive. Diaspora and players. We know we, we have those players that, oh, I don't know. I want to wait. I'm focusing on my career, Tiknesian. Um <laughs> And then we have players like this. Him, buddy, yeah. yeah, you're not just him. I just wanted to pick him out. <laughs> pick on him. But it, this is what this is what I've said that I want players that say no. I want to play for Armenia. 
and that oh, that's yeah. what and I did this makes I would me say respect he made it him infinitely pretty clear. More. Yeah, and um <laughs> he also actually did an interview with Corner, um Corner Football Armenia. Uh Oh yeah, he went he went around like uh he he went around and then had some media media days uh where he specifically dedicated his, his time to the journalists and yeah. and that's good that's that's some good time management and and he's a player that has i mean currently does play in the second division of russia of course but has had a lot of buzz i mean he had a transfer to he seska has that was canceled. numbers yeah and, and he has spreads on numbers and he has a lot of interest seska uh when ivica olich was the uh yep. head coach tried to sign him but he got fired and when berzitsky took over the deal fell apart and he also almost went to ghent um which it, yep. which would have been another crazy move. So um, I would he I anticipate yeah, and and with a good I think Nations League campaign, um, maybe a goal or or a goal and an assist to his name. I think I think we can see him make a very very solid move this summer as well. I'm very excited. Yeah, tra- transfer window coming up. Yeah, and it, this is he... a, it... go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, uh, okay. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. Yeah, he 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 also posted on social media, uh, and and I want to say that in case it wasn't clear enough, he says on Instagram, "Finally, my dream came true. There's a lot of work for me to do ahead to prove that I'm worthy of being in the Armenian national team in the upcoming games. Thanks everyone for your support. Let's go Armenia!" And as challenge says, "Arachayastan," and I think it's clear like that he wants to wear the jersey. I think Kaparos yeah. is going to use him. I think so too. I don't think um I don't think he would have given the blessing to to have that happen, you know, to to make to to perm- to make him a permanent uh citizen of Armenia and and get his passport without him being in in caps plans. So I'm excited. I'm excited to see I, a second Edo Skarchian, you know? And bro, today he he played today when we are recording, right? Uh and I don't know if you remember. I literally told you, uh, Galoyan assisted for Kevork Sarkisian to score. And yeah. um, man, they both have the same uh, patriotism in them. They both take pictures with the Armenian flag, the Armenian scarves, uh, with Armenian fans. Uh, they both are the same age. They 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 they're best friends, right? Yeah. I think I honestly think it's weird that we got him, that we got Arthur. Not that I'm complaining about him. I love him, and I and more than welcome him. Like it's mm-hmm. awesome to have him on board. But weird to have him and not have him come with his teammate and best friend Kevork Sarkisian. Well, we don't know. Is, I mean, we don't know that yet. He Sarkisian's name could just pop up in the squad. You know, you don't. He might not need an official. It would be. It would be the p- best plot twist I've seen in a long time. Um, yeah, it would be Hollywood worthy. Uh, Sarkisian is a striker who's on sick form, as as I just mentioned. He is scored again today, uh, this weekend. Well, uh, it's his rookie season as a pro. Uh, altogether, also by the way, and uh, subsequently, much lower profile that. Kaloyan that has been a pro for at least three years. Um, so that that's why it doesn't make sense. Why why wouldn't you sign 
a low-profile player that Russia clearly doesn't uh, need or doesn't have him in their plans, unlike Aloyan, which was in Russia's in Russian national team plans. So uh, <laughs> that was way harder to get. Aloyan was really hard to get for the FFA, so props for them. But hope like like it wouldn't make sense to me not getting Salkisian. So hopefully, as you say, it's hidden. It's concealed, and it will be announced uh, with the list. But it wouldn't make sense not to have him. Yeah, well, we'll see. I mean, um, I'm hoping for a couple surprises, uh, Kovalenko. Uh, so would, uh, I'm not holding my breath, to be honest. Um, Don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to get ahead of myself. And, and we'll talk national team uh, when the squad gets released. We're anticipating to be this week, the week of this, that this recording is released. Uh, and we will... Um, we will be posting in consecutive weeks because we do want to have uh, a breakdown of the national team squad um, for you guys. And speaking of breakdowns of the national team squad, we will also be doing a special Twitter spaces with Armenia football um, in Francais, uh, a probably oh, yeah. fully French uh, Twitter spaces that's going to be hosted by uh, our friend Theo, uh, who was a, you know, friend of football. Gantron was on the member. very first. Yeah, special member. That's it's, a good good title. I don't know how I don't know how member is in French, but uh, I'm member. sure it's special in French. <laughs> I'm sure special is special. A special member uh, of football. The member special. So we will. So, yeah, uh, stay tuned. Stay tuned for that. I mean, yeah. not that this would make sense because this audience is English speaking. I don't I don't know who we're we're t- saying this to, but if you understand French, spread the word. So, speaking of the national team, let us turn our attention to the many national teams of Armenian football. We'll start with the women's national team, uh, who are currently bottom of their qualifying campaign. Uh, They had a 12-0 loss to Poland on April 7th and a 4-0 loss at home to Albania. Um, The first season wraps up in 10 years, um, and it was obviously... Not as successful as we would have hoped. Uh, we would have hoped for, you know, at least to score a goal, but it's okay. I mean, it's it's going to be a process. We, we didn't have a um, a consistent squad. So, um, and Armenian football, uh, women's game in Armenia is still growing. So, uh, we're hoping to, you know, continue to see uh, the growth of Armenian fo- uh, women's football. But let me kick it over to Chadens, who has a very interesting idea, actually, on to maybe help improve um, Armenia. Chadens? Yeah, uh, this this idea was already uh, introduced uh, by the UEFA. However, uh, I don't think they already implemented uh, yet. Uh, they are doing it, I believe, with the women's U19 and 17, I think. Uh, it's, it's doing... Uh, uh, a Nations League system for women's because uh, I haven't done the full research yet, uh, but uh, there must be a pattern where uh, these some women's national teams are losing with a very high uh, goal difference, a very high. Like some, like some are seven nil, some are eight yeah, nil, even two digits. Yeah, two digits. Two digits, even even two digits, unfortunately. And the other team sometimes even not being able to score a goal. 
So it's not just Armenian women's football the issue. Um, the issue is just the the women need different uh, style of opportunity, uh, different style of system to be able to get more opportunities. So uh, I'm hoping to see you. Uh, I'm waiting for UEFA to to fully implement this idea, to fully implement what they had announced a few months ago. Uh, hopefully they they do this as soon as possible so that our ladies can be able to play football more equally and with a better environment. Yeah, these are the type of changes we would hope to implement because we want to see Armenia be competitive. Um, if you look at that friendly tournament that they organized, um, that the FFA organized before this Two qualifying campaign. Yeah, it was it was with teams that were in Armenia's level and Armenia was winning. Oh, yeah. So Lebanon, uh, I think, uh, yeah. Lithuania, or was it Latvia? I think no, it was, Lith- yeah. Lithuania. Yeah, so uh, yeah. that's Kazakhstan, what we want to uh, see. Kaz- was it Kazakhstan? Well, there was some point. That, that yeah, was a friendly was, a few months ago. Yeah, uh, the tournament was, was last year, I think. Yeah, the tournament. Yeah. So it's more things like Lebanon, that. Jordan, and Belarus. Georgia wasn't in it. It was Belarus in it. No, Jordan. Jordan. Oh, Jordan. Yeah. Last year. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And and Belarus too, and and Lithuania. That we had no losses. It was just. Yeah. It was. There was a friendly. It was good. Yeah. Like. The thing is, there's even two games left for yeah. this qualifier. There's there's still away at Kosovo and home to Belgium. Well, that's, yeah. so, that's more practice. I mean, uh, by it's now more it's nothing in more a than sense. more yeah. yeah, more fitness, more practice. They gotta get used to that to that level, you know. And it's good. I mean, there's also yeah, a key you... component that uh, Aram mentioned: um, mm-hmm. the fact that there there is always a rotation with the team. There are some players that I see a lot who often are picked, but there are also some players who are not often picked and you can see just different players coming in and going out. Yeah, that's so, all, that, that core isn't there. You know, they haven't developed mm-hmm. that core of players yet. Yeah. Uh, moving on to futsal. Uh, another Army, expertise. <laughs> yeah, another expertise is yours, Jonathan, so this will be coming your way. <laughs> so... Um, Armenia was in the preliminary round, uh, which is the first round of three rounds, I think, to get to the Futsal World Cup. Lot, lots of stages. Um, and Armenia yeah. was placed in a group with Scotland, Bulgaria, and Kosovo. Uh, and Armenia had some crazy results. Won 11-0 against Scotland, 3-0 against Bulgaria, and 2-1 against Kosovo. That's scoring uh, 16 goals and can only conceding one. Uh, do, uh, do we, if we have um, Western Armenian speakers... Uh, this is what you call Totvetsink. Totvetsink, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Armenia came out from the group first place with Kosovo in second place, and they've made it to the next round um, where we don't know who they're going to play yet. I believe yeah. the draw is going to take place on July 6th, uh, where the yeah. 36 remaining teams are going to be drawn into 12 groups of three and play home and away. And the 12 group winners and four best runners up go to the elite round um, where. They play more, and then there's like a main round, and then I think a total of like how many countries get in Shannon's? Like eight? Mm, yeah, I think so. I think it breaks down to eight. Yeah, so hopefully, um, I there's like a lot of potential. Armenia, yeah, I would like to see Armenia get past this next round too. Yeah, no anticipation. It's highly possible. 
highly possible, no real expectations, but they're doing good. The the futsal mm-hmm. has been futsal has been surprisingly very good for us lately. Moving on to the Armenia under 21 national team. Uh, they have a couple of games uh, next month, uh, June 2nd against Macedonia away and June 7th against France at home. Armenia is currently sitting last place uh, with three points. Uh, and there's, uh, I believe only uh, Macedonia is three points ahead of them. So I guess um, a win against Macedonia would be nice, but not really having any sort of expectations uh, for them. In terms of, Armenian senior national team, which is, of course, the main event. Uh, We will be previewing the UEFA Nations League um, and a lot of other stuff when the squad gets released. Um, Armen, what are the dates for the matches? Can you please remind the listeners? Yes, yes, sir. We have the opener, the season opener, which is, by the way, for... Those who may not be all that familiar with the the groups and our opponents and how things are looking on paper for us uh, before game, beforehand, we are going to be playing Ireland for the opener. On paper, basically, Ireland is our main opponent to fight against, like to avoid relegation back to the league, the UEFA Nations League C. So. Basically, what that means is we need to win that opener. We need to win that game. Besides, it's the one at home. Like, we have basically the game with most chances for us to win first. It's going to be on June the 4th of June. So, I can't stress how important and how deciding this game is going to be. Of course, we're going to have feelings towards how good we're looking once the squad list is announced. But June the 4th is our season debut. Then June the 8th, we're going to be visiting Scotland. Super difficult uh, game. Three days later, we're going to be away to Ukraine on June the 11th. And we're going to close that that first Nations League window against Scotland at home in Yerevan on June the 14th. A lot of games for two weeks. Adam, you're muted. And we do open up the games against the Republic of Ireland in Yerevan, uh, a boogeyman of sorts for us ever since that Euro 2012 match. And um, we have a little special... Q&A session here uh, with the Irish football blog and a Nations League once again podcast. Uh, These are two different uh, social media accounts that dedicate their time uh, to furthering uh, the um, attention on Irish football. Uh, Irish football blog is a more global and analytical um, account that looks deeply into all aspects of Irish football uh, to youth teams, women's teams, and and so on and so forth, similar to what we do. Uh, but they also do a lot of writing and have recently launched their own podcast. Uh, a Nations League, once again, is a new podcast uh, dedicated to the Irish national team in the UEFA Nations League. Uh, I had a discussion with these two gentlemen about the Irish national team to give us a little bit of a taste of what we can expect 
Uh, without further ado, here is that interview. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Football Gantuan, where we are joined by two very special guests, uh, the Bill from the Irish Football Blog and Gavin from a Nations League once again. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on Football Gantuan. Thank you uh, for talking to us about Irish football and the Irish national team. Uh, and um, let's just start with you, Bill. Uh, Irish Football Blog, what is it? What do you do? What do you cover? Uh, I suppose, yeah, so Irish football blog really begun in 2021. Um, it was tasked with so advancing coverage of Irish football and covering areas which weren't necessarily covered by the general media or, I want to say, other accounts. So um, what we did was I created 50 um, commercial marketing-based ideas which to advance the game. And since then, there's I've, done, I've gone through about 110, I think. And with another 60 to come in June. Other than that, I suppose we do scouting series where we profile a different player from a different area of Irish football each week. Um, squad depth series where we cover over 310 professional players. Um, the, and then the Pedicast podcast, the Pedicast podcast, which we just started last week, there where we're going, it's going to be a discussion based um, Irish football show. And yeah, just other general opinions and my own rants, but that's what we do. Awesome. That's a lot of stuff to cover. I envy you. Uh, Gavin, a Nations League once again. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so as the name suggests, it's a bit more a bit more niche and not as wide-ranging ranging as what Bill is doing. Uh, so it's a, it's a podcast uh, that I started recently just based on uh, Ireland's uh, Nations League campaign and uh, I suppose focusing on Ireland themselves and on the, and the opponents, hence why we've ended up talking to you guys from an Armenian football perspective. But yeah, just trying to put some podcasts out there focused on on the on the campaign itself and um, the name is uh, a bit tongue-in-cheek there's a famous Irish song called uh, a nation's league sorry a nation once again uh so yeah little tongue-in-cheek name for the, for the podcast itself uh very new but yeah uh you know exciting times and looking forward to doing this and doing the interview ourselves aware of Bill's stuff that he's doing as well uh we, we follow each other on Twitter I believe um so seeing his, his podcast launching there last week and uh he was very kind when I when I did start to, to give me a retweet and, and point people in the direction of the podcast so yeah uh very happy to be here and looking forward to having a uh, chat wonderful 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 well thank you again for coming on to the show uh, let's jump straight into it. First, with our head-to-head records, uh, Armenia and Ireland have only played each other twice. Uh, and This was in the 2010-2011 uh, season for the Euro 2012 qualifiers. And Ireland came out the favorites in both games, edged us out by a goal. Um, I don't know if you guys on the Irish side um, see it this way, but that match in Dublin... Um, is a game that many Armenians believe cursed us for a very long time. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's very superstitious. Well, uh, what are your just quick thoughts on, on our head-to-head records and that one uh, match that shall not be named? Gavin, let's start with you. Yeah, so if I remember correctly, that's the one where you guys had a player sent off. Was it your goalkeeper came out? Yeah, yeah. Our, Roman our forward, Simon Cox. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think yeah. it was possibly harsh if, if my memory doesn't fail me um but yeah it's it's you know it, like you say it's very rare that we've we've played each other at all um i don't think the games were great we would have been playing under giovanni trapattoni at that time we did actually qualify for that tournament uh, euro 2012 
uh, we weren't playing the most uh, easy on the eye football. Uh, and I, I, from what I remember, the game was was very. There wasn't much, especially that game in Dublin. There wasn't a whole lot of uh, quality on show. Um, so a, a happy memory in terms of we got the win and it was an important win to help us qualify. But I, I don't remember a whole lot else of the game other than the, the red card and a, a single goal victory. Yeah. Bill, what about you? Yeah, I'm literally just Googling the match because I couldn't entirely, I couldn't actually exactly remember it. But what I would say is that, you know, Ireland and Armenia in 2010 and whatever, it's 12 years gone and the Irish national team is completely different. And I, what I would say is expect a different Ireland. We, we're a lot more pragmatic then. Um, we're a lot more, you know, defensive minded or whatever. I, I think you should expect a different Ireland on the side. And I, I expect an Ireland to go out and attack from the start, to be honest. Okay, that's good. Yeah, okay. I mean, yeah, I mean, this um this game for us can be summarized as like um I don't know if you guys are familiar with the meme uh from Avengers Endgame where um I think I can't remember what character it was goes up to Thanos and says you took everything from me and then Thanos says I don't even know who you are. That's how mm-hmm. Armenians feel about this relationship between Armenia and Ireland because we feel like that game against Ireland took so much away from us because it was our ticket to second place which we've yeah, never from what from what I remember now that you're saying it I I remember we when we played Armenia in that group it looked like you had like a young exciting upcoming team that were going to be quite good in the kind of years following that but i don't know that it ever like it, i suppose that's what you're getting at is that it cursed you it, it didn't really kind of move on from there is, is that what you're kind of getting at? we had like i want to say eight years of the worst experience of all time i mean it just kept on getting lower and lower and lower and we were like man we thought rock bottom was low but we got even lower it was <laughs> and there was a lot of falling out political things uh it played into it um, you know, a lot of players that we'd love to see in the national team shirt we didn't see for a long time. So it, there was a lot of issues. I think the, I think it was the, I think it was the, that little movement that, that started an avalanche. Yeah, it's um, good to know yeah. we're not your rock bottom. So. Oh no no no! Our rock, we've hit we've hit rock bottom on two separate occasions. Uh, we don't need to get into that. Anyway, <laughs> so let's start uh, with question number one. With- how would you describe the Irish national team as of now? What would you highlight for the general picture of how Ireland currently play, or maybe not necessarily play, but the look of Ireland? Let's start with you, Gavin. Yeah, sure. So um, I suppose the, the, the over kind of bearing thing that I would say at the moment with the Irish national team is there's a lot of positivity around Um there's a there's certainly a good bond has developed between um Stephen Kenny the manager um his staff the players and the fans uh, over the past kind of 12 months we hit speaking of rock bottoms I suppose we we hit somewhat of a rock bottom uh, early last year March of last year uh, when we were beaten at home by Luxembourg and this would have been during the time of the the COVID lockdown so there was no fans in the stadium we lost one nil to them we just didn't look like a a team that was going anywhere it was very early in in Stephen Kenny's tenure and uh you know we you know we kind of it was hard to see where we were going to go from there but but since then really it's 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 been a kind of um a a gradual improvement the whole way along over the course of those 12 months we're now at a period where we've won defeat in our last 11 games and alternatively at that time during the Luxembourg run 
we had one win, or sorry, we'd no wins in 11 matches uh, during that period. Um, and I think you guys are kind of going through something similar at the moment. But yeah, just overall, I suppose positivity would be the message. It, there's, a, there's a really good mood around the camp. Um, there's a, from the, the media themselves, are at times being accused of being overly positive uh, when reporting on the team. But uh, yeah, I, I just think it, you know, we're, we look like we're in a good place. We look like we're going in a good direction. Uh, and it, it seems um, that the players, staff and management have a really good bond amongst themselves. And, um, you know, I, I think we're, yeah. we're playing in a way that's quite different to how we would have played under previous managers. Uh, Trapattoni and O'Neill were kind of playing a, a much a nicer style of football as well. So, yeah, it's it's positive. Like our, our recent results, you know, we've we've had draws with Serbia and Portugal. We we, we just lost to Portugal in Portugal with two late goals from Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, and we, we recently had a draw with Belgium and a last minute win over Lithuania. So things are looking good at the moment, but I suppose that the, the Nations League, right, you, the, the intention is that you're going to be playing teams in and around your level. So um, this this group coming up will be really interesting to see where we really are at. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And it's interesting that you mentioned the undefeated streaks because, yes, we, we did, uh, as Armenia, experience a very similar thing, except it was the opposite. We went undefeated for 11 games, uh, including a draw versus Croatia um which was which was big even though it was in a friendly for us it was it was big and some crazy wins against iceland and romania it was uh, insane time and then we went on a 10 game winless streak uh we did get draws i think half of those games were draws but i mean not getting three points for 10 games hurts um let's see here bill what uh what do you think what's the what do you currently see as the national team picture for ireland how is that shaping up in your eyes Look, um, one thing I would highlight, and it's changing, the slow changing picture of the national squad. I thought we have an awful lot of um, younger players now. Um, you've, we'll get into them as well, but um, you've got Bazunu, Travers and Kevin Keller, which are three top class goalkeepers, in my opinion, all under the age of 25. Um, you've up and coming young players in opposition, so you've Abamadad um, Abam, um so Darrow Shea, um, even like Troy Parrott is coming alive again. So the one thing I highlight is an awful lot of these players are beginning to show actual signs that they can fulfill their underage potential. And I don't think that um I don't think there's any fear in this bunch. I I, I genuinely think that Kenny and the atmosphere on the international team is he's instilling to them, you know, we can go out there, we can why can't we um matches why can't we play the game the right way or whatever um well in the past um i suppose you know martin o'neill though will come out and say we're a long ball team and that's the face of it and you know you see that more you know cynicism around the draft team i think cam he's instilled a kind of a vibrancy into the irish players and you can really see that and um, how expressive they how expressive they can be on the pitch um so Callum Robinson is coming alive now, he's coming scoring a lot of goals. Um Troy Parrott again. So I just think Kenny has put a faith in the younger players where in the where in the past we may we may not have. And we're seeing the fruits of that finally. Well, speaking of, of players, uh Bill, we'll stay with you for this one. How do you think the squad depth's looking like for Ireland? Where where are the shortcomings and what areas of the pitch do you see Ireland being 
generally well fed. Uh, look, I suppose even in our worst times, we were never short on goalkeepers. As I said, like we in the past, we had you know Shea Given, Patrick Bonner before my time, and Darren Randolph. But like I think, I think if you're to look at any nation, uh, a single set of goalkeepers um, of Travers, Bazunu, and Keller quality, I think that rivals most nations in this world, to be honest. And that might sound hyperbolic, but a lot of these goalkeepers are so you know, five or six years, ten years younger than some international keepers who are on national sides. So they're only on an upward trajectory. Um, again, the defense, I don't think we ever had had have had issues really. Like in my my um depth chart list, I highlighted I think it was fifty professional Irish centre backs are playing at the moment, and an awful lot of them are at quite a high level. Um, so that's nice to see. But one thing I would highlight is where we may be lacking depth is on the wings. So historically, we had you know players like um Aidan McGeady, Damon Dust, Stephen Hunt, um John James McLean, and all fantastic wingers for our country with ninety cap ninety plus. But there is there's there is a bit of a shortage of uh, wingers um at the moment inside. You might have Anthony Scully who could get promoted uh, from the under twenty ones, but I think the reason why we're playing a three four three at the moment, a lot of it is because or actually we're playing three four two one would be it's because of the lack of wingers. We don't actually necessarily have many at the moment. Interesting. Uh, just, it would it would be a shortcoming in the side. But I if I just may put it that may yeah. be a reflective that that may be reflective of the changing face of football and how so there's less wingers now maybe, but it's just it just seems like there's a, a shortage of wingers coming through at the moment, and that's why it's influencing our style of play, where we're choosing three four three. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, you you mentioned Adam Adam McGeady. He played at CSK in Moscow, right? At one point, mm-hmm. was he the one yeah, that played did. there? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah exactly. he played alongside Yurimov who was uh who was who was our longtime striker for the national team. Uh, Gavin. In your eyes, what is the um, shortcomings and strong areas for the Ireland, Irish national team? Yeah, well, I think shortcomings, we, we've always had a bit of an issue uh, around, uh, well, I say always, since Robbie Keane has retired, we, we've we've lacked a really good top-class goal scorer. So Robbie Keane was, you know, he's one of the top scorers in international football history, uh, 68 goals, uh, I think 68. He, he ended up with. Yeah. But since he's retired, you know, we've never had a striker who 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 we would be confident of, you know, going out there and getting a goal every couple of games or every three games even, you know. So so that's one area where we are lacking. But in fairness, since since Stephen Kenny has taken over, I think that the, the goals are a lot more spread out recently. Uh, Callum Robinson has kind of stepped up to the plate. Uh, well, certainly last year he had a purple patch where I think he, he scored something like scored seven something goals like over the course of three games. So, three. but again, I, I don't know that's something he, he he's necessarily going to sustain for us. So uh, a really good goal scorer would be one. There was one other area I would one. suggest again, harking back to somebody who retired recently, uh, Wes Houlihan would have been our creative midfielder. And again, our, our midfielders are good. They're dependable kind of players, but there's none there that's really will get the ball in kind of 
tight spaces or create, uh, you know, play really creative passes out of nothing. Uh, Jeff Hendrick kind of has that role under Kennedy recently, but he's not at that same kind of creative level that Wes Hulahan would have been at. So they're kind of the two I would I would call out for shortcomings. I kind of agree with a lot of what Bill said in terms of where we have strength. Um, the goalkeepers, uh, Gavin Bazunu is on the books of Man City. He spent this season on loan at uh, Portsmouth and uh, has done really well in League One. And there's talk of him moving to Everton or possibly Southampton in the summer. Kevin Callagher, uh, any fans that listen to your show, from any Liverpool fans who listen to your show will 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 be aware of Kevin Callagher. He plays, uh, he's the backup keeper to Alisson for Liverpool, played in the League Cup final, scored a penalty for Liverpool in the League Cup, uh, League Cup final. And then we have Mark Travers as well, who uh, is playing at Bournemouth to win promotion from the championship. Again, one of the one of the kind of most consistent keepers in, in the championship this year. So three of them are very, very young, all in their early 20s. I think Gavin Bazoon is not long turned 20. So um, really, really kind of for the next you know 10 years or so, it looks like from, from a goalkeeping point of view, Touchwood were, were well covered. Um, so yeah, I would say that's kind of the, the, the strongest area, but defense would also be strong in terms of the number of center backs that we have. Um, but yeah, I think if, if, yeah. if you were to put a gun to my head and say you have to pick one area, it would be goalkeeper. Goal. Uh, okay. Goal. Okay. Uh, doubling back really quick to Robbie Keane. I was fortunate enough to watch him play a lot when he played for the LA galaxy. Amazing player, man. I love that guy. He was such mm-hmm. such a good professional, such a great goal scorer. Um, it, I miss watching him because I would see him, you know, uh, on a weekly basis here. Um, sticking with you, Gavin, uh, you guys have, as you mentioned, um, this lack of goal scoring coming from a center forward. So how would you describe the Irish style of play? nowadays is it more of a utilitarian everyone does their role type deal or are you guys uh it doesn't sound like you guys are relying on any specific player to be to be doing a lot of the the creative work or goal scoring uh so uh what is that looking like right now what formation do ireland play and and what what's the philosophy yeah so it's an interesting question from the point of view of when stephen kenny took over he was very you know, so Stephen Kenny was managing the under-21s and it had been agreed that he would succeed Mick McCarthy as the, the senior team manager. And there was kind of a long lead into him taking over as the, the, the manager of the senior team. And he'd done a number of interviews and he, he consistently talked about the fact that he wanted to change Ireland's kind of, the, change the view of Ireland and how we play. Traditionally, a lot of people from um, overseas would see Ireland as, in inverted commas, a British team, we play a British style of football, right? But uh, Kenny was very strong in saying that he wanted to move away from that. So when he took over, we were we, we kind of we started with um, a 4-3-3, which he would have employed a lot at his um, club team, Dundalk. And he tried to play a possession-based game. And in fairness, you could see, you know, you know, we have this thing where previous managers, um, Bill kind of alluded it alluded to it with Martin O'Neill would have you know one of these common lines was we we don't have the players as in the players weren't good enough to play a progressive style of football or possession-based style of football but you could see from those early games that they were capable of actually you know passing the ball and not having to kind of go to the long ball kind of tactics but uh, he, he has said recently that they, they had a friendly defeat against uh, England where they lost 3-0 and he decided at that time that the fullbacks were being pinned back too much and it was 
kind of we were struggling to build up the pitch. And at that point, they made a switch to what they're they're currently playing, which is a, a three four one or sorry three four two one formation, uh, kind of similar to what Chelsea play. If you're familiar with Chelsea and how they play, it's it's that kind of formation, and it's it's worked wonders, I suppose, for for us. We we look a much more solid team. We have as uh, again as we I mentioned earlier, the, the centre backs. We have a good strength and depth at centre back. We have three really strong centre backs uh, that we can play. Um, and then we kind of have two almost inside wingers, I suppose, inverted wingers, if you want to call them that, that support uh, a single front man. So the, the style of play is much more, I would say, possession based than it has been. Uh, again, under the previous managers, we look to where we can be progressive on the ball. So when we're in possession, we'll be as progressive as possible. Uh, we'll use the wing backs as much as we can, getting them up and down. And um, I suppose if we have to be, what as I said, as I said, Kenny made that switch from 4-3-3 to 3-4-2-1. Um, what also changed was it, we're not as, I suppose, possession-based as we would have been in the 4-3-3. And the team are not afraid to be pragmatic when they need to be. You know, if a press comes on and they feel um, they need to get rid of the ball, they will. But generally, they'll they'll pass the ball as much as possible. They'll play out from the back. Uh, Gavin Bazunu and Kevin Kelleher are, are both excellent with their feet, whichever one plays. Generally, it's Bazunu. So... Uh, keepers are happy to kind of get involved in the in the build-up play from the back. So that's kind of how we're playing at the moment. And um, I have to say, I'm you know, in, in all the time I've been watching yeah. Ireland, um, it's it's a long time since I've kind of seen us play this type of football. Um, maybe Mick McCarthy's first time in charge of the, of, of, of the Republic of Ireland. We we kind of played it, I suppose, a decent bit of football, but we would have had much better quality players at that time than we have now. Even with our squad, where majority are probably championship, um, with a mix of Premier League and League One, you, you know, you, you may say, well, they're not playing at a particularly high level, but they're certainly capable of, of maintaining possession and, and playing good football. Interesting. Well, Bill, new formation, young personnel, different style of play, good results so far. But what do you feel are the shortcomings of these changes? If any, uh, look, I, I, t- I tend to be more pragmatic. I look at this in um, a sense of an evolving system. I suppose we we started out like for generations and right back to Jack Charlton, we were, as I said, the pragmatic side and we were trying to be more robust and defensive, whatever. So, any, t- any changes that we make and any um, assertions we make on the site and what the difficulty, the problems, um, I think we'll be short-sighted at the moment. Like, we have to leave this play out for a while. But, um, again, he, I've mentioned, began, um, in the beginning stages, we, we were perhaps a bit too, um, you know, possession-based. And, you know, we're, we're trying to pass the ball around too much. And, again, personally, that's not a style I'd exactly like either because... Um, I suppose it's important to be able to mix it up, and I think what you see is again what I've touched on. What you do see is we that is what Aaron are doing now. We are kind of you know to look at um Chicho Ogbeni. He's like a very direct and powerful type of winger. So when you know when when the when the short ball isn't there, so the option is behind for Ogbeni or even Robson to run in behind and to take on the defense. Um, one shortcoming I suppose I would like to see change is, you know, 
it's not really a shortcoming, but I think we could make the the argument that some of these players could be moved on even quicker, in my opinion. And I don't I know it's not a really popular opinion, but Holman, Duffy, Egan, and even Long and Cole, they're all gonna be thirty four, thirty five in the coming international for the coming qualifying campaign and even next tournament if we're going to get that far. So so I think it's very time to start facing a lot of these out a lot of these players out too. Um oh, sorry, a bit of quick, sorry. Quick quick follow up yeah, on those players. Off. Those aging players, are they regulars in the starting eleven? Ah uh, yeah, like I actually have it up here. So if you look at the minutes for all the players, um number two you've Darty, I suppose he's thirty, so it's not too bad, six hundred and sixty six minutes. Um, Egan, 29, again, he got too young. But Coleman, uh, it has the fifth most minutes for Ireland, so 540. You have Duffy, who has 540. McLean, it's, it's the ninth most minutes, 430. So, well, you can see that the changing um, landscape international team, there is a, a few older players. And I think I'd be alone in suggesting that a lot of these players should be faced out quicker. But I just I think it's time because then even if you look at like, players like Kieran Clark or James Collins, who've only contributed 140, 122 minutes, like it would really um do the squad any harm to you know bring in you know 22 year old, 21 year old that's kind of upcoming and might be involved in the international setup for the next 10 years. Like, I don't think we'll, we'd be losing too much by getting rid of two, two or three more players, even the fringe players that are a lot older, because just it, it, I think it would um fasten the change and improve the team quicker i see that's a good argument uh we have a similar thing going on so i i agree with a lot of the sentiments you bring up gavin speaking of this player this squadless and style of play uh give us two standout players that we should be looking at uh during this nation's league campaign for ireland yeah okay um so I have a feeling we may have similar players uh, if we're asked this question myself and Bill. Uh, so um, I have four. I'll give you two of the four that I have. So the first one would be uh, Chidozi Ogbeni. So he became the first African-born player to be capped for Ireland uh, last year and has since become the first African-born player to score a goal for Ireland as well um, and he has been excellent since he has come in he's playing for Rod- uh, Rotherham in League One they've yeah. just won promotion to the championship um, and yeah. he has been a breath of fresh air for, for Ireland uh, he scored three goals he's- in his first seven internationals uh, he scored recently against Belgium and uh, has just kind of come into the team he's added pace it, it's and probably we spoke with shortcomings earlier that would have been one that i would have felt we had for a long time was a lack of pace but Ogbené is you know he's he's very quick uh, he plays as one of the we said a, a, a 3 4 2 1 he plays as one of those two or will play as the one up front depending on how Kenny wants to play it but he brings pace that we just haven't had for a, a good while into the team. And he just seems to be quite fearless, you know, his, his, and his, so yeah, Albene generally from the feedback from within the squad, if you hear any of the guys interviewed is that, you know, he's really well liked around the place and seems to have been a real breath of fresh air within the squad. Uh, as I said, he's fearless, he's confident, and he's, he's just looked excellent for us and has made a big difference in the, in the seven games that he's played for us. And, I would suggest he's probably not being, you know, he's probably not far off being one of the kind of first names in the team sheet at this stage for 
uh, Stephen Kenny. And if you were to push me on a, on another one, um, I would suggest, um, while maybe not the most glamorous of players, uh, Josh Cullen has played uh, every minute of a World Cup qualifying campaign. He's a central midfielder playing with Anderlecht at the moment. He was at West Ham for most of his uh, career, his youth career, and then uh, latterly he was out on loan a number of times from West Ham. But he moved to Anderlecht with uh, with uh, Vincent Company, and he's become a mainstay of that team since he's gone there. Vincent Company seems to love him. He plays 90 minutes in pretty much every game for Anderlecht. And uh, recently, discussing uh, the, before the Belgium uh, match with, with some of the guys uh, from uh, the Belgian football podcast, they mentioned Cullen actually has the most outfield minutes in the Belgian top flight this season of, of any player. Um, so, yeah, similar for us, he, he played every minute of our World Cup qualifying campaign. He's come up with some kind of um, important assists for, for goals as well. Um, not much of a goal threat, but he's he's very, uh, like I said, he, he's very dependable. He, he's a good kind of continuity midfielder, gets the ball from the centre backs, keeps it moving, uh, keeps it moving in centre midfield, not afraid to get forward and support and, and has a decent set piece on him. So... They would be two um, that I would kind of call out if you were to ask me to name uh, some of the standout players at the moment. Yeah, uh, Belgium seems to be a really good league to revitalize players. Uh, we've mm. had a, a similar experience with our striker, Sargis Adamian, who uh, is a Hoffenheim player uh, and was loaned out to Club Bruges uh, for the second half of the season. And he's, I think, scored seven goals since and including the title winning game today. So... It's a good league, great league, great place. Yeah, it is. And Steve, Stephen Kennedy, Irish manager, was was kind of singing his praises there recently as well, saying, you know, he looks at Josh Cullen. He was kind of, he wasn't getting in at West Ham. He he was sitting on the bench a lot and he's gone to, to Anderlecht and he's played every week and has just come on leaps and bounds for us, uh, for Ireland. Like, I think when Kenny took over, he was barely getting into the, the squad under Kenny, whereas now he's probably... Um, Again, one of the first names on the team sheet. And it's because he's gone and he's played regularly in a league like like that. And, you know, Anderlecht will be in Europe next season and he'll be, he'll be playing in Europe with them. So it, there's definitely benefits to... And, you know, we are starting to see with young Irish players that a lot of them are going kind of to more uh, European leagues uh, recently, it seems. Anyway, maybe it's just reported more these days than the previous, but it does seem to be that a lot of them are happy to go abroad now into Europe and... And kind of take that step, whereas previously a lot would have been dependent on, on moving over to, to England to play Premier League or you know in the in the Championship or League One. But yeah, the, it, there is a, a world good thing, outside. you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, let's see, Bill, your two picks. Who are two players that we should look out for in, with the Irish and national team? Just to preface it, I the way I'd find you know the key players for Ireland would be. What players, if missing, would Ireland miss the most? So I, I think, like, for example, I'm going to contradict myself here, but anyway. Um, but, like, if you look at the centre-back situation again, like, I think we have so many top-level centre-backs that if you were to input one out for the other or whatever, I don't think it makes a massive difference to the side. Um, but the, one player I w- would say it makes a huge difference to the side, and uh, I think without, without him... Um, Ireland are a lot weaker is Callum Robinson. So, so it's not really um a bold pick or whatever. But in 2020, since 2021, he's had six goals in 10 games for Ireland. So 
I don't think that's what, as we mentioned, Robbie Heen, that's a goal, that's a level of goal scoring for for international football that I don't think Ireland has seen. Well, Ireland hasn't seen for Robbie Heen, but to be honest, I don't think a lot of nations have a player that's that prolific in, in international football. Um, so I think Callum Robinson really adds a different um dimension to the side. I think um there's an awful lot of stick he's getting from the press for different reasons, um, right around it, whatever. But I think he t- he took that a few then when he came out in the national break and he really um hit the ground running and scored lots of goals. Um the one player and again I'm contradicting myself here that but I would say that I think it makes a massive difference starting with Gavin Bazuna. And I said look, um as I said Kevin Kelleher and um Travers are top top keepers. Could have careers in their own right, will have careers in their own right. But I think Gambazunu is just the presence he has in the side and you know, his real you know, confidence and you know, enthusiasm is, is infectious. Like the way he stood up and saved um Cristiano Ronaldo's penalty wasn't surprising to me because when he was sixteen I actually attended um Cork City being my local side. But um I turned Shamrock over towards Cork City and Cork City's best player at the time when Karen Sadler was taking a penalty and sure you know, you expected the ball to hit the back and left, but 16-year-old Gavin Bazunu um, stood up, saved the penalty in, in Turner's cross, and I think within a month or two afterwards, he had signed for Manchester City. So I really do think um, so. Gavin Bazunu and Kyle Robson are two critical players for Ireland. And just to agree with Gavin, um, I have to name four players. The four players I had were Ogbeni, Josh Cullen, Bazunu, and Robinson. So there is kind of a link there. Gavin, I'm assuming yeah. you had a similar list <laughs> of the four. I I had sorry, I didn't have Callum Robinson. I had John Egan, but the other three were the same. Yeah, yeah, that they were the same. Good, good. There's a lot of synergy clearly. Uh, so moving on, being a brotherly nation with Scotland, or at least neighbors, uh, you guys probably have a lot more deeper knowledge of the Scottish national team, seeing as a lot of uh, both of your players play in the um, EPL Championship, yeah. League yeah. One, League in these areas. Um, how do you assess them uh, as a team? Let's start with you, Gavin. Yeah, Scotland. So I kind of, I'd say at the moment, I look on uh, with a lot of envy when I look at Scotland. And they're in a position now that we probably would have been in in years gone by where a lot of kind of, uh, you know, solid uh, Premier League or Championship players sprinkled with kind of really good um, players on top of it, so you know they have Robertson, Andy Robertson, who's playing at Liverpool, um, Kieran Tierney, who plays at Arsenal, Scott McTominay at Man United, and um, really good players that we would love to kind of have players at that level. Um, and they're they're you know they're challenging or qualifying for major tournaments. They that they played in obviously Euro 2020, and they're now in a playoff with Ukraine, um, who also are in our uh, Nations League group, and um. Um, for for the World yeah. Cup, so they're kind of they're, they they went through a lot of kind of you know rough times over the past kind of um, twenty years or so, but they've they've reached a place now where they again they have a a manager who's kind of been very progressive. They've got a good squad of players, as I said, a solid squad with with a sprinkling of of really good players uh, to go with it, and um it's kind of you know. I mean, you look at Andy Robertson, he's kind of a generational player for, for a team like Scotland. In the same way we spoke about Robbie Keane earlier, you know, he's, he's one of those players that you just don't get very often um, of that level from, from a nation like Scotland or a nation like Ireland. So, um, you know, 
I think our yeah. matches against them will be a really good yardstick for where Ireland are at under Stephen Kenny. Um, Stephen Kenny has made a point uh, a few times of saying that you know he wants to be challenging yeah. to win to win the group uh, in Nations uh, League. So our, our wins recently that we've had against uh, Azerbaijan and, and Luxembourg, kind of two of you know not not to disrespect anyone, two of the lesser nations I suppose people would look on them as. So. Really, we need to be kind of seeing where we're at in terms of, you know, the, the likes of you know, Scotland, Ukraine, and maybe yourselves uh, to, to see how far we've come. And uh, because, like I said, there's a lot of positivity around, but until you start playing teams in around your level, it, it, it's kind of difficult to see how far you've come. So, yeah, with, with Scotland, we're familiar with a lot of our players. We, we played them under Martin O'Neill a couple of times. They were horrible games from what I remember. They kind of... Martin O'Neill at the time, I think, may have focused kind of on, on you know, this kind of, oh, it, it will be a bit of a battle type mentality. And it, they kind of they played out like that. They just weren't nice games to, to watch, really. Uh, quality wasn't great. Whereas I think now, um, if, if we're to play each other, at least I hope I'm right, I think the quality of football on show will be a lot better between the two teams. But, I mean, you know, they're, they're kind of yeah. at, a, at a point in time where we would like to be, which is, you know, challenging for or qualifying for tournaments bill how do you assess your lovely neighbors uh just first of all a shout out to scott mctominay so i'm a Manchester United fan so i'm actually a big fan of his but what i will say is and i wouldn't be as envious of the spanish squad um compared to Aaron, player for player i think bar a few standouts um i think Aaron are strong not stronger in places, but what I will say is, though, if you look at Scotland's still side, a lot of their strength comes down the left hand side, and because of that, they try to front load their as many left hand side players into the team as they can. So, I suppose they have Aaron Hickey, who's at Bologna, and I think he's there's rumour to say he's agreed to sign for Arsenal, and he's also capable of playing the right hand side, but he's a predominantly a left hand side player. You have Kieran Tierney, who again is a left back, and Andrew. Andy Robertson is a left back. So what you kind of see them doing is they're playing Tierney Robertson at the left of a back three and having Robertson further up the pitch, really trying to overload that side of the pitch. And again, when you have that sort of quality, you suppose you will be doing that. But it's just like I think then you I suppose um, players we haven't looked at in Central Park, so they have enough you know depth in Central Park to be able to put McTominay back centre back. And there's John McGinn, so Aston Villa, uh, Billy Gilmore, who's a Chelsea Academy product on loan at Norwich now, but he's highly thought of. So there is a lot of ability and in that side, in the middle of the park. But I just think, though, they're trying to put too many, though, fit as many players as possible into the side. And I, I don't know if that, I, I'm not going to say I watched Scotland, but will that really affect their balance? Because I'm looking at their their formations here now and one of them did a 3-4-2 they had Kieran Tierney at the left hand side of the fence they had Andy Robinson on the left midfield left wing and in defence you had McTominay so, which uh, I still argue is probably predominantly a midfielder so you, what's that you have a left back two left backs a central fielder making up your defence along with Grant Hanley who is I don't, I don't think he'd make any Irish squad. So, like, there's an awful lot of quality players in there, but, like, I, 
it's, it's been like our goalkeeper situation. They're they're kind of front loaded in the same area, so they're a bit imbalanced, maybe. If that makes sense. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think yeah. I can definitely see the envy of the recent successes because they have been consistently qualifying for major tournaments, and they've they haven't looked bad either in those major tournaments. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure there is a a weakness that is yet to be exploited in their style of play that that can maybe lead to the, their downfall. Um, but speaking of hopeful downfalls of opposing nations, uh, Gavin, what are your expectations for the group this season and for Ireland? Yeah, well, maybe just a, a caveat or just keep in mind, I was confident of qualifying from the Euro 2012 uh, group that we were drawn in with Spain, Italy, Croatia. I was fully convinced we'd, we'd qualify from that group and we ended up being heavily beaten uh, in each of those games, really, uh, looking back on it. But so, I, yeah, I suppose I am a bit of an optimist. But, um, you know, Stephen Kenny, like I said earlier, has said you know, he wants to win this group and it's it's, it's a great ambition to have. Um, but I suppose the question mark is um, how how we do against teams of a similar level to ourselves. So we, we've beaten some of the kind of teams we were expected to beat in Azerbaijan and, and Luxembourg. We've gotten some really good draws against Belgium, Portugal and, and Serbia. Um, I would say the Serbia one was somewhat lucky, but um, we, we still we hung on. We hung in there and we got a late kind of goal to, to get that draw. Um, so we've shown we've beat the teams we're expected to beat and we can... Um, you know, uh, frustrate you know, the kind frustrate. of the stronger teams where where we may have to kind of be a bit more pragmatic. And um, so now it's kind of an interesting scenario where we're up against teams who are of a, a similar level to us and, and how we go against them, how how well we kind of take the game to them or control the game. And um, we're on a good run. And um, so uh, you know, th- 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 there's definitely confidence in the camp. And um, I'd be happy. <laughs> Considering it's the Nations League, I would be happy just to get a win at this point. We've played 10 matches in the Nations League. We've never won. So uh, we're overdue a win at this point. So, But um, I think really, re- realistically, if, you know, if we got to the last round of games and we were in contention to, to kind of, you know, win the group, I'd, I'd be very happy with that. Um, I think anything less would, would be somewhat of a disappointment. So in, I suppose to, to, to probably shorten it up, I would say, as long as we're competitive, you know, we, we kind of get a, a, a few wins on the board and we're, we're, we're kind of in contention until the last round of games. I think that, that would be a, a good performance. Bill, what are your expectations? Um, again, maybe this is um, naive of me, but I'm similar to Kevin. I like even back in 2012 when I was in my early teens or whatever, um, I expected... I fully expected um, Aaron to come out of that group, and again, that didn't come out to be um, very, um, very um, smart prediction. But like, I think the mentality with the entire squad, and again, I think this is what Kenny and Silton said is we have to go into every single match and say, why can't we win? We should definitely, we should, we should be competing and winning matches. And again, I'd. I fully, I'd be very disappointed if we weren't close, close on the top of the group by the final set of matches because I think if you look at Scotland, the Ukraine, and, and Armenia, I think um, I think Ireland is a nation that's on the up. Um, I don't think we, we've seen how good Ireland will become yet, and with the, the players we have coming through, 
I, f- I feel that the next stage in, in this Irish side's progression is to go away and get out of the Nations League group. And I'd be a bit more optimistic looking at beyond to see who will come out of the other groups to play um who to play us. So like I don't know. Look, I maybe I'm naive and maybe I'm looking at this um too optimistically, but I fully expect and expect the Irish side to win the group. Definitely. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, look, I suppose can I just just come in there? I suppose the one unknown, right, is 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 how you know, obviously, there's a lot going on for the Ukrainian players at the moment with the war situation, right? So maybe, you know, Ukraine are, you know, they're, they're a good side, but who can say how they're going to, you know, how how the matches that they're going to play and are going to go uh, in the upcoming game. So Scotland and Ukraine play each other in a World Cup qualifier just before yeah. the Nations League start, right? So there's a, there's a couple of things. One is Ukraine are obviously concerned with other things or other matters off the pitch. Um, and, you know, coming out of that match, will one or the other of the teams be kind of, they'll have lost, they, they'll have missed out on the chance of the World Cup. Will that have a kind of knock-on effect on their performance when they get into the group? So there is a kind of, you know, an interesting angle that you wouldn't normally have coming into a group in terms of the two of the teams within the group are playing each other. And then there's also the, 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 the conditions that Ukraine are having to play under. They won't play their games at home. They'll play them in neutral venues. And they've also got to worry about everything that's going on with the war. So... Um, I think that probably makes the group a bit more open than it, it may have perhaps otherwise have been if you've had a, a Ukraine team fully focused on purely on, um, on on the football matters. And, you know, if if there was no kind of World Cup qualifier between the two teams just in, in advance of the group starting. So um, it's a little bit of an unknown. Um, and Ukraine are obviously at a disadvantage that they won't get to play home games. So. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, like yeah. you know, there's a chance there for for, ch- for Ireland. I would feel, um, to kind of you know, push towards the top you of the group. Know, but the- I, I know from listening to your podcast recently, Aram. I think you guys are kind of focusing on the Irish game as being probably the most important one. Your game, um, with with us. So I, I suppose you see us as the team you're competing with in this group, as opposed to we're probably looking to you know fight it out for the top spot in the group. So it's an interesting angle uh in terms of you know the different viewpoints from the different teams yeah it is and and as you mentioned i think both ireland and armenia benefit from that playoff um from that just the haphazard is uh just mm. happens to be that ukraine and scotland are playing each other and um it, it benefits us either way because one of them has to win and one of them is going to play another full 90 minutes uh in a playoff so or possibly uh, 120 or possibly 120 and then going into four Nations League games back to back to back, I can see both of those teams dropping points to both of us. Um, mm. So I think it, it benefits both uh, both of us definitely uh, dramatically. And and to your second point about uh, Ukraine situation and playing during a war, uh, this is I can I understand how you would draw that conclusion. But similarly, and of course, the level is not as high as Ukraine. But Armenia was actually fighting a war during the last Nations League game, and we didn't get to play our games at home, and we actually topped our group and uh, and right. were promoted to League B. So right. it can also be a very big motivating factor. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, that's the thing. As I said, nobody can predict how that will affect them. You know, it 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 could be, that, you know, it affects them negatively. But like you say, Armenia it was obviously a positive motivation for them, and they 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 topped the group. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, 
thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here and telling us a little bit more about Irish football. Uh, again, this was Bill from the Irish football blog and a very recent new podcast. Go check them out. Drop them a follow on Twitter. Uh, and Gavin from a Nations League once again, uh, focusing on the Nations League. So if you're interested in Irish football and you're interested in Ireland and the Nations League, please, 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 please go check these guys out. They clearly have a humongous well of knowledge that they're drawing from. Uh, and I really, really appreciate you guys coming on our show. Thank you. Thank you very much. Great stuff. Thanks, Aaron. It was a lot of fun Thanks, and uh, very interesting. Great. Well, we'll see you guys. Uh... In a few weeks, huh? June 4th, opening match yep. in Yerevan. Uh, it's going to be a good one. We're very excited for it. Or it's just going to go horribly. So uh, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, may the best team win. huh? May the best team win. Thanks, gents. Appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you again, gentlemen, for uh, coming on the show. Again, that was the Irish Football Blog and a Nations League Once Again podcast. Uh, please, please, please go follow them on Twitter uh, at Blog Irish for Irish Football Blog and at A N L O A Pod uh, for a Nations League Once Again. Uh, it's really good uh, insight onto the Irish national team and and a team that has experienced. Um, uh, some things very similar to Armenia recently, but in the opposite order. I mean, they had a terrible winless streak and then they had a really good winning streak and we had a really good winning streak followed by a terrible winless streak. So um, some interesting points brought up about the nation's league, about um, the uh, shape that Ukraine and Scotland will be in coming into this tournament because they do have a playoff against each other. So that means one of those two teams is going to be playing two full matches before the Nations League even starts. Uh, so, yeah, it's, um, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot a lot of good stuff and a lot on the line. And we will cover all of that here on Football Genshwan, starting with when the Armenian national team squad gets announced this week. So please stay tuned for that. Um, also, remember, we are doing that uh, Twitter spaces in French uh, whenever the national team uh, squad gets announced. And we also have a couple of other surprises up our sleeves i believe gentlemen that is going to be it for football we get for football gentron uh i don't know how much more you would want than like the hour and 30 <laughs> minutes this is about to be um we can all go on and on we can we can all go on and on and but i you know have only so much patience with editing <laughs> um thank you gentlemen pleasure as always uh good to be back good to be talking uh it's Shoot, man. Nations League's right around the corner. Uh, we have a very, yeah, I don't very, know very, how very to feel busy. about that. I don't know how to feel about that. I guess I will know how to feel about that when the list is announced. Exactly. That's gonna be that's gonna be the biggest um <laughs> biggest telltale I, sign. I will I will set like I will mentalize and pre- and prepare my whole moods and, and how I'm gonna be uh functioning. One, I, once I know that. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> Gentlemen. Oh, my God. Ladies. Football Gantron Faithful. Thank you for listening to our show. We will be back next week, wrapping up the squad and giving our analysis. That first look, that first thought, that first inkling that you know we are right on most of the time. So, um, <laughs> we'll see you then. Uh- Alright everyone Peace
te pasa la concha de tu